I am really honored to be sharing this morning. It was not anticipated. I came for a meal last week and I had a banquet and I came to church this morning and I've had a feast. Um, so thank you very much for indulging me and allowing me the privilege. I uh, don't take it as anything other than a privilege and I'm profoundly, profoundly, profoundly uh, grateful for it. Uh, I just, I really, uh, I just want to say, I just, I really enjoyed our time of communion this morning. There was a sense of, I don't know whether you picked what, but in my, in my spirit, I just, I just think God is birthing into our heart a sense of his presence, which is amazing and never take that for granted. Um, and uh, last week when I was sitting listening to Anne do as she does so, so, so well and uh, uh, amazing, uh, I, I often said to Anne, if I was still pastoring a church, you'd be on my invitation list every time. She does an amazing delivery of the word of God and, and uh, so, uh, and I was sitting there listening and as happens to preachers, it certainly happened to me. Uh, I was listening to Anne and suddenly my mind was going off into a different area. And, and I was suddenly, come on, focus, focus, listen to And the more I thought about it, the more I began to think about Easter coming. And it was Easter last, a week away still. And I thought, if Jesus died but never rose, the world would accept him far more readily than it does. Think about it. If you, if you let your mind just go to the thought of what would be the hero syndrome. A brave man, a great woman, standing in the gap for people whose lives are far more vulnerable than perhaps they would actually be able to defend themselves. And they stand in the way of the oncoming enemy and take the bullet, take the blow, take the offense, and they die. And when that happens, suddenly that person is turned into a hero. Thinking about the sacrificial lamb, um, the spotless lamb that would come at Passover and you would come to the priest and say, I, I'm bringing this lamb to actually pay for the sin that I've committed. And this, the lamb would be taken and, and actually be placed upon an altar and the blood would be spilled and the lamb would be sacrificed. And that moment is hugely important and never would I again say that at all and don't misunderstand me, but I've never seen a lamb sacrificed in that way return to bring anything other than the sense that it was finished then and it's done and it's historic. Words have begun to resonate in my spirit the last few days to think about the fact that Jesus died a lamb, but he rose a lion. I thought you'd like that, Anne. <laughs> he died a lamb, as a lamb before his shearers is dumb, so opened not his mouth. And he was taken out of the land of the living and, and, and he was made his death with the wicked. But rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Hallelujah. Don't weep. 
For the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. Somebody say hallelujah. Christ is arisen. Hallelujah. I said to Anne last week, and I wasn't even sure what I was trying to articulate, but I, 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 at the end of the service I said, it struck me as if, if, imagine if Jesus from the cross had returned to the Father, and the last presence of Jesus upon the earth had been upon a cross, and on the cross giving up his spirit, and in his spirit just returning to God. Surely would have died for our sins. Surely. Surely. No question about that. But we would never know the consequence of victory. So my question to us this morning is, what's the point of the resurrection? What is the point of this thing that we, on Easter Sunday, begin to say, think about it. Think about what Jesus has done. And I'd like to read to us a scripture from 1 Corinthians and it's chapter 15. And Paul writes these amazing words from verse 12. And he says this, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of, it, of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith more than that we are then found to be false witnesses about God for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead but he did not raise him in but if but he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised for if the dead are not raised then Christ has not been raised either and if Christ has not been raised from raised. Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But, aren't you glad there's a but? Yes, but Christ has been raised indeed from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead came also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all are made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits. Then we, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Bridget read a very similar scripture early on. What's the point of the resurrection? What's the point of this whole thing that we say it's important to us? I heard somebody saying on Radio 4 this week, I used to be a church attender, he said. He said, and then my wife passed away, he said, and I know we, 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 we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, he said, but I'm not sure anymore. I'm not sure anymore. I don't know if you've ever thought about the fact that at the birth of Jesus, my friend, <laughs> at the birth of Jesus, there was the presence of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. 
The angel came and said, this thing that is going to happen to you, Mary, this baby that's going to be born is going to be born of the Spirit, going to be born in the conceived of the Holy Spirit. Bridget read this morning about the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ. The incarnation came about by the Holy Spirit. But let me say to you, not only did the Holy Spirit, be, not only was the Holy Spirit present in the birth and conception of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was present in the resurrection of Jesus as well, which tells me something about the person of the Holy Spirit. We must never forget the spirit of resurrection is the spirit that comes to empower the church. It's the spirit that transforms normality into supernatural manifestation of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit didn't just come on Pentecost to give us a few more gifts. The Holy Spirit manifested His presence at the birth of our hope and at the position of our faith when Jesus rose from the dead. You see, the life of the birth of Jesus gave us hope. Let's be honest. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. So our hope is in that. But our faith is that he who came as a babe, he who lived a sinless life, he who died upon the cross, not only died, but he rose again. See, Hollywood tells us the story differently. Hollywood tells us that this man lived and tells us amazing story about him doing good, healing people, wonderful words, but it always ends on a hill. It always ends on a hill. It is finished. And that's the last MGM great moment. What they forget is it didn't end on a hill. It ended on a throne. It didn't end on a hill. It ended on a throne. And actually when you go to heaven and when you get there one day, I got one, one thing to tell you and it's going to be a surprise to some of you, but you're not going to find a memorial You're not going to find a statue to say a great man lived and died so that people could come. He died upon a cross. But you're going to see no statue, but you're going to see a throne. And the throne will be where he sits because he's the risen and he is the enthroned king of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's the point of the resurrection? Well, the point of the resurrection is that we who are born to die can be born again to live forever. And as he rose, as Christ rose from the dead, so too we will rise in him. Not just to life eternal, but life with him forever in the presence of the king. You see, the death of Jesus I love this. Paul writes in Romans. He writes in chapter 5. Read Romans chapter 5. Just read it in the context of what we talked about today. And he talks about the fact that Christ in his death reconciled us to God. His death reconciled us. His death reconciled us. In other words, two enemies, God's righteous holiness, God's character was reconciled to our sinfulness by virtue of a substitutionary death. Jesus taking our place. The just for the unjust. Yes. 
Paul goes on, he says, it, so it's true. For a good man, some would die. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But his death reconciled us to God. But his resurrection brought us life. You see, we're not just reconciled. We are saved to live forever. I find that amazing. I find that astounding. I think, God, I, I can't get my head around this, really. I can't understand the magnitude of the plan of salvation. We think we see a picture and we understand the story. And then we start to look at the story and we start seeing a revelation. And we start seeing a revelation and then we start seeing a future. And we think we understand the future and God says, no, it's forever. Don't ask me to repeat that because I couldn't do that right now. You better buy the tape or get the tape. But the, the truth of the matter is, this is beyond what the, the natural mind can understand. It's beyond what the carnal man can understand. No wonder Paul says, he says, the, the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. They look and say, you guys are nuts. I mean, who would ever think about such a stupid story? Who would ever try and build not just a life, but a universe? of living on a story like this. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Christ risen from the dead has given us a hope of life that was previously unattainable, never to be enjoyed. And actually, when we say, what's the point of the resurrection? We cannot begin to answer the question without understanding what God has done. No statues in heaven, as I've said it before. No statues in heaven. But Paul begins to, uh, sorry, John begins to describe it. And you can read about it in, in Revelation chapter one. And he begins to describe that actually, if you want to go and see what the, the heavenly memorial is to the throne room of heaven, he says this, he says, the revelation, John chapter one, verse uh, five said, he says, he says, he says, to the one who loved us and freed us from sins by his blood. That is Jesus. John comes and John thought he knew Jesus. And by the way, John is now in exile in Patmos because of the gospel being preached and the, the Roman persecution of Christians. And so he's banished. Some said eventually that this pastor of Ephesus would eventually be released and go back and die in the manner. We don't know. But what we do know is he had this revelation. And he said, the one who died and saved us from sin, Jesus Christ is the one who's ascended. And now he goes on, he says, and now if you want to know who he is, he's the one who's redeemed us. He goes on, he says, verse six, he said, and made us to be a kingdom in rulers and priests with access to the very holy presence of God. So not only has he saved us, Effie, but he's actually said, come inside the throne room. Begin to understand the thoughts and the plans of God. Understand how the rulership of heaven works. Understand that when we say your kingdom come, as Jesus taught us to pray a few weeks ago, ago again as we shared it he said when we begin to talk that way understand that the rulership of Jesus isn't historic it's present it didn't stop you see kings that lived and died have no more authority but Jesus says in Matthew 28 he says all power all authority Everything that the world will ever seek to attain in rulership has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The Great Commission is rooted in resurrection. Hallelujah. 
Without the resurrection, there's no great commission. There's just a great memorial. But you see, the good news of the gospel is that, yes, the king died, but the king lives. The king sacrificed, but the king rose. That's why it's good news. We say the good news is about me. No, the good news isn't about me. The good news is about him. And because he lives, we shall live also. And when the world says there is no hope, which it says every single day. We need to understand that we're looking in the wrong place for hope when we look at the thrones of the world and we don't look at the throne of the king because it's the throne of the king that gives us hope, not the things of this world. Hallelujah. Getting this man, I mean, he's got to get saved this morning, I can tell you. But it's the truth, guys. And we need to remind ourselves that the point of the resurrection is not for us to give ourselves Easter eggs. No. <laughs> I'm waiting. This morning, we have, we have neighbors. You never see their children, but they were on an Easter egg hunt at six o'clock in the morning or something. I thought, what in the world? Bless them, I wish they were in church. Because you ain't going to find a future in an egg. You're going to see your future on a throne. And he reigns forever. John goes on to say, he says, not only have we become kingdoms and priests unto our God. He says, verse 7, he says, that he's returning to the world. And he'll be returned to the world, rather, that he's saved as king. You see, the world that rejected him, that crucified him that actually tried to put him behind a stone and said, that's it, we've sealed you in. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't need them to move the stone to get out, just for the record. He removed the stone for us to get in, to see it's empty. Come on. Some people say, oh, you know, it's great. It must have been very difficult for Jesus to get out. That's the, you know, the angel had to move the stone. Let me tell you something. Are you serious? Think about it. He needed somebody to move the stone to get the king out when actually he just speaks the word and heaven and earth come into being. They didn't have to take the stone away for him. They took the stone away for us because of the stone is in our minds, in our spirit, in our hardness of hearts. You know, Jesus is still in the grave. No, they, Jesus came out of the grave long before the stone was removed. Because he lives. And he's given us access to the king, the, the, the very presence of God by the, the, the things done. But he's coming back again. And he's coming back again to come and reclaim that which he has saved. Listen, you must be nuts not to follow Jesus. Did I just say that? But you must be crazy. If what the Bible says is true, and I believe it with all my heart. And he's coming back for those who put their faith in him. And they say, well, you know. I'm not sure whether I want to do this and so on. Let me tell you something. He's coming back for those whose faith and hope is in him. Now, why would I want to back a loser in this world when I can back the eternal winner 
in Christ. Billy Graham once put it this way. Somebody said to him, Billy, you seem very sure about the things you preach. And you kind of make all sorts of you know, statements about eternity and hope and so on. He said, how, 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 how do you have this certainty? I love what his answer was. Famous, actually. He said, well, he said, I've read the book. And I've read the last page of the book. And on the last page, I discover we win. When he comes back, he's not coming back to tell us he came out of the grave. He's done that already. He's coming back for those who believe that he rose to take them to be with him forever. And that's you and me, come on. That's us who put our faith in him. And if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, with all respect, I didn't mean to be crude and I didn't mean to be uh, kind of insulting, but why would you not want to trust in one who could do that with the life you're living now? Why wouldn't you want to do that? I have a friend of mine who has a, is an excellent evangelist, and he says, he asks people the question, he says, what obstacle is there to you believing in God at all? And most people say, no, I believe in God. He says, okay, so then what is the obstacle in you saying to God who you believe in, would you help me in my world, in my situation? Just ask him. That's a great question. See, the biggest fool is not the person who says God doesn't exist. Although the Bible does say in the book of Psalms, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I get that. But the biggest fool is not the person who says there is no God, although that is foolish. But to me, the greater fool is the person who says, yeah, I believe God is real, but lives as if he doesn't exist. God is real, but I'm just going to struggle on my own way. That's crazy. I mean, that's illogical. Because when we believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, then our faith is not in our ability to hold ourselves secure or in our ability to determine our future, but our faith is upon the one who died a lamb and rose a lion, who's actually seated upon a throne, who says, I'm coming back for those whose faith is in me and they will be with me forever. That makes sense to me. Otherwise, none of it makes sense. So my faith isn't in myself. I must confess, in the last few years, I'm surp- I surprised myself a little bit because I discover less and less is there any fear of death in me. And I mean that. I, people say, well, you know, are you frightened of dying? No, I, I don't like the thought of dying, just for the record. I don't like the thought of dying, not because I don't want to die, but I think about my wife, my grandkids, my children, and others. And I think, God, I've seen the pain that separation causes people, and I want to save them that. So I'd rather say, Jesus, come while we're all alive, we can go together. That, that, that really suits me fine, actually. But dying, fear, not really. I must be, uh, and I really be, try to be very honest with you. I, it's something that strikes me as well. If, I, if I'm to fear something that's been conquered, then where is my faith? And if my faith is subverted or undermined by that fear, then either my fear will dominate or my faith will triumph. And I've got to say, God, increase my faith. John goes on to say this in Revelation. He says, he says not only he says, will he return for those he saved, but they will be eternal with him, without beginning, without him. He says, I'm the Alpha and I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. He's the Almighty God. And verse 18 of, of, of Revelation chapter 1 goes and says, And I am the one that was alive 
I was dead and I'm alive and I'm alive forevermore and I hold the keys. You see, if you want to see what Jesus looks like, to read what the scripture says about him. Yeah. I mean, I love what whoever read the account from the, 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 the resurrection from the tomb, when the angels came down and describes him in such graphic ways, having hair that is shiny and kind of like, almost like fire and, and their clothes like, you know, so brilliant you couldn't even look at them and so on. Now, if, that was, if that's what the angels look like, Think about it. John, the beloved apostle, in Revelation chapter 1, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So, okay, that's a good place to start, John. That's great. He says, and I heard a voice behind it sounded like the, the sound of many rushing waters. Okay, that's kind of impressive. He says, and I turned to see it, and then he begins to describe Jesus. And I, I, I won't read this now because time won't allow me. But he starts talking about who's one is, whose eyes were as fire, yeah. whose feet were like burnished bronze, whose, whose robes were, were like snow, absolutely brilliant. And he said, and actually, I fell at his feet as dead. Now, John falls at the feet of Jesus dead. And actually, Jesus just steps down and says, he touched, he says, touched him on his right shoulder. He says, come on, John, it's me. I think John met a Jesus he didn't actually know that day. Because he could only think about Jesus for the three or so years in ministry. He could only think about a man on a cross saying to his mother, John, your mother, mother, your son. I'm going to commit you to each other in this life to look after each other. Yes, he ran to a tomb that was empty and saying to the disciples, we've seen the Lord, he's risen and so on. But actually, it was all kind of this kind of, wow, you know, this, is, this is all immediate. But now suddenly he thinks, I'm beginning to grasp the immensity, the enormity of who he is. And in John chapter 20 and verse 31, I can understand a bit more why he says this. He says, so these things are written that you might believe. And that in believing, you might have life in his name. How are we doing? Three or four more minutes. Okay. Let me just say this to us. This really blesses me. I don't know if it'll actually make sense to you. Is it just, but we are the symbols of the victory of Jesus' cross. I find, that, I find that actually almost too overpowering to even say that. But you see, Isaiah talks that, he says about him in Isaiah 53, he says, he will see, in the authorized version, he uses these words, he shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He said, talks about us as being the recipients of the light of his life and actually, and here actually, and, and, and the joy that Jesus sees in seeing us. I find that amazing. After all that he went through for the cross for us, rose from the dead for our eternal hope and assurance. And he looks at all of this and says, you are worth it. Amazing. Actually, it makes me want to actually just sit down and think, God, I, I'm not even sure I want to say anything other than just to sit in your presence and saying, help me to comprehend the enormity of your presence. No wonder the angels 
in heaven and the elders around the throne, when they see him, just begin to say, worthy, worthy is the land that was slain. For out of tribes and nations and different tongues, you've redeemed us and made us become your people. We're the trophy of Easter. Think about it. If you say to Jesus, what's the point of it all? Say you. What's the point of the resurrection? Say you. What's the point of me coming back to earth to find and redeem, uh, find a redeemed people to take them to be with me forever? You'd say, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father's house on many rooms. And I've gone to prepare a place for you. I mean, think about it. After everything Jesus did, he's been occupied all this time getting a place ready for us. Think about it. There's many things I could have thought would have been better occupation of the time of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who gave his life for us, who ransomed us from sin. So, so what are you doing? He said, I'm just getting ready to receive those for whom what I did made it all worthwhile. I would love to sometimes just pull the curtain back and look into the, <laughs> the eternal space just for a second so that people could see what... I think awaits us. But eye hasn't seen, nor ear heard, nor there has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And it's not just about us having a little good time on earth and saying, wow, that was a great service, you know. You know, we, we saw, no, God's eternal values and God's eternal provision and God's eternal welcome awaits those whose faith is in the one who says, I am he that liveth. Behold, I was dead and I'm alive forevermore. And I've got the keys. I'm done. Just let me say one more thing. These things, Easter is written that you might believe. I hear a word being used or a phrase being used these days more and more and more about people talking about deconstructing their faith. I don't know how to answer that if I'm honest. Because it sounds to me like Jesus' words to his disciples when they said, help us understand what's this all about and he says well there's a thief who comes to kill to steal and destroy that sounds to me like deconstruction thinking to kill hope to steal truth to destroy faith but I have come from a place where hell couldn't hold me where death couldn't own me, where uncertainty couldn't 
disguise or mystify who I am. And I stand as the eternal risen Christ to say, I'm alive forevermore. Therefore, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What's the point about Easter? That you might believe. That you might believe. And that by believing, we who believe might have life. I want to end with what I started with. If Jesus had died upon a cross and that was it, I suspect in terms of religion, we would actually have a very easy ride. Hey, listen, everybody loves a good man and a great teacher who gave his life sacrificially so that people could have a better living. Who wouldn't applaud him? Probably and possibly there would be statues around the world to commemorate the wisdom of Jesus who died. But the resurrection makes him an obstacle to those who want to disbelieve. I can't believe that. No, I mean, kind of, Amazing to think about it. Jesus hasn't aged a day in the last 2,000 years. That kind of makes me a little bit weird because I mean, I think, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, I feel I age. But he's eternal. He's, I can't believe that. He's coming back again. Can't believe that. We're going to live forever. Well, I definitely can't believe that. These things are written that you might believe. Final question, if Christ raised from the dead for you as the trophy of his victory, are you prepared or ready or willing or able to say thank you? Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the victory over sin, over the death of a cross, over the grave that you conquered. Thank you for an eternal hope. Thank you. And in saying thank you to say, I want to believe like never before in you. If you've never believed in Jesus Christ before, whether you're watching me on Zoom or listening to me, then Easter is about believing in him. End of story. And today you can start that faith journey with him. If you say I belong to Jesus, well then don't let the world deconstruct the thing that God wants to build. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Put your faith in him. Let's pray together.